Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. This is Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Victoria Jessup. And we actually talked to her about Airstreams and her Airstream business. She is a real estate investor, also a property manager. But uh, the really unique th concept is that she's actually been renting a commercial space and created a really cool short-term rental opportunity with an Airstream that she has completely renovated and refurbished. And we talk about the numbers and the cash, the rental income and all that good stuff. And guys, this is tough, right? We are in a tough economy. We have an opportunity, I think, to do some really creative things and think outside the box and pivot along the way. And uh, Victoria has done an amazing job. And she's got two Airstreams that she rents as well as some other rentals. But this is something quite different and a unique concept. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Before we do that, Dahlia, what is this week's tip of the week? Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And today we are going to talk about promissory notes. Promissory notes is uh, a financing tool that I hear about a lot within the real estate investment community. Uh, I'm not a big fan of promissory notes, but I do understand that there is a place for such type of money for both real estate investors, as well as for lenders who are looking to earn a higher return. Today, I want to explain what a promissory note is and inform you as an investor, uh, whether you're borrowing or lending money of the risks that come with this financing strategy. So let's talk about what a promissory note is. A promissory note essentially is a loan uh, to a borrower that is unsecured. Uh, it is really about the promise to return the money. So the borrower signs a piece of paper that says that they are committed to returning this money back to you as a lender. And that piece of paper outlines the terms of the loan. So how long are you lending the money for? What are you charging in terms of fees? What are you charging in terms of interest? And in many cases, um, the borrower provides what's called a personal guarantee. That money is unsecured against a property, although in some cases it can be registered as a caution. It is not really protected the same way a private mortgage is protected. So for real estate investors, promissory notes uh, really help in some cases. Some investors may need that type of money to supplement a shortage in funding. Let's say someone uh, ran um, you know, a, a construction or a renovations project and things have taken longer than expected or cost more than expected. And there is no more room to get additional funding and they need to get that project to completion. Uh, that's where a maybe small room, a small loan to supplement the shortage can come in handy or a loan for a short term period can come in handy. Uh, let's say someone uh, needs to consolidate debts and there is again, no room to get a secured mortgage. That's where a promissory note can help. So there is definitely a place for such type of money. And as a real estate investor, you'll uh, source it in smaller chunks, uh, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 maybe. So if you're looking for a larger loan, you'll have to source multiple promissory notes typically. 
I've seen this type of money uh, cost double digits, 17% uh, interest or more. Uh, it's also more expensive in terms of lender fees. Having said that, some real estate investors who have a great name on the street and, and a great network of people can source that type of money more cheaply. The risk for you as a real estate investor, if you're using this type of money, is what I call over leverage. Not high leverage, but over leverage. What's over leverage? Well, over leverage is essentially chewing on more than you can handle. Because this type of money is not secured against a property. You can easily take on a lot and um, it can cause problems down the road. So you gotta be very, very careful of how much of this money you borrow. For the lenders who are looking to lend promissory notes, I get it, folks. I get that the returns are a lot more attractive than private money and uh, are lucrative, but you really need to understand what you're stepping into. You really need to understand the risks that you're taking. There is a reason to why this money is lucrative. It is because these loans are not secured. And as much as the borrower is providing you with a personal guarantee, that personal guarantee is as good as the assets that are disclosed and are accessible uh, for that personal guarantee to materialize. So let's talk about the worst case scenario, which is the borrower defaulting on your loan. Although the promissory note may be registered against a property as a caution. If the borrower defaults, well, guess who gets paid first? The private mortgage, uh, sorry, the first mortgage that is registered in first position will get paid first. The second mortgage, if there is uh, equity, and then the third and fourth, if there is anything left. For promissory note holders, you will have to pursue legal action. Uh, through the court system to recoup your capital. Um, that's really how it would unfold if things go south. So if you're lending money to borrowers through an unsecured promissory note, it's great that you're making the high double-digit returns, but I want you to be aware of the risks and be prepared for the worst-case situation. Always, always, whether you're a borrower or whether you are a lender, get independent legal advice and explore other financing options that are available to you before you pursue this path. My team and myself are always here to support you. If you're looking for options or second opinions when it comes to funding, always reach out to us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Awesome. Thank you so much to Streetwise Mortgages and their team. And guys, check out inspirebeachresort.com if you are interested in being a private member of our resorts. As we grow, we are still limiting the membership, um, but there is going to be a ton of perks, including free nights, discounts, uh, access to our beachfront as well. And you can use this either for yourself as gifts for clients, as gifts for your best employees, awards, and all that good stuff in between. Let me know if you have any questions about that. And now let's bring on Victoria. Victoria, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good, good. So we connected originally on social media, on Instagram, and I've been following your account and all the awesome things you're doing. 
And I just, you know, said, I have to reach out and just find out more because you got a, a great story, a great, you know, really unique property that we're going to talk about. And so, but before we do that, maybe we'll do a quick 30,000 foot view, a little bit about like who you are and how you got started in real estate. Yeah. So actually my husband and I bought our first home about 12 years ago in the, our hometown that we grew up in. And at that time it was cheaper to purchase a house than it was to rent a house. So we got a house, we flipped it and we were trying to find a way to kind of leverage what we had to increase our income. So we found on weekends we were away or like a vacation time, we would rent out the house on Airbnb. <clears throat> so kind of organically it evolved where more and more people were reaching out, hey, would you rent it for this month or three month period, six month period? And then the larger the number of months, it kind of clicked that this could be really lucrative. There's a need, there's a demand. So we actually turned our single family home into a two unit house. And what had happened was our original plan was to live in the main home and rent out like this bachelor studio apartment in the back. Mm -hmm. But people still wanted the front. So we decided to, with our two children, a dog, move into the back. It was 400 square feet. And it actually, during that six-month rental time, paid for all the renovations to make that splitting of their house basically possible. So then we kept getting requests to rent both units, and it pushed us to actually purchase a second home. So we rent that out full time. It's actually a long term rental now. But our dream was to kind of from living in that 400 square foot unit, we thought we could live in an Airstream. It was small and we kind of were interested in discovering what that would feel like. So during the pandemic, we bought our Airstream, renovated it, stayed in it and realized like this is not <laughs> going to work out long term for this nomadic lifestyle that we kind of had envisioned. So we rented that out on Airbnb and had a lot of success with partnering with a property kind of with a revenue split and ended up storing it for the winter. We were trying to pull it somewhere down south to keep it going all year round, but it didn't end up working out. So it kind of pushed us to keep the ball rolling. We found a permanent spot for that Airstream and immediately missed uh, hosting, missed having our own spot. So we purchased another Airstream, which we're in this location now, and we're kind of just going from there. We evolved into property managing for other people's places and hosting for them. So it's all just kind of grown over the past five, six years that way. Amazing. So so obviously, it sounds like you you know progressively did it, but originally it was maybe just a small thought that you know kind of snowballed into into a big project. So from the Airstream perspective, like why an Airstream and, you know, like where did you even find an Airstream? What kind of shape was it in? I have so many questions about that. The Airstream, I think honestly from magazine cutouts and we, I don't know, there's just this interesting vibe that comes along with it, with it kind of being bohemian and classic, but you can kind of make the interior your own style, which is what our taste is super minimal. And we've restored our century homes. So we're kind of familiar with bringing things back to their original state with kind of a modern twist. So we love like classic mixed with kind of that restored everything's brand new feeling. And honestly, like they are from the 70s and they're still like the body of them if they're restored or originally kept in good shape can just last for years and years. So 
instead of looking at it as I guess like it's not like a car you can it's actually an asset not that you're building equity in it but it's kind of an asset that holds its value over time so a lot of parts kind of intrigued us about it we started our search just on Kijiji and a lot of people it was March 2020 so people weren't quite offloading too crazy yet because we're kind Mm -hmm. of in the balance but we actually found it at a spot a couple hours away from us that tried to put it on their property and rent it out. The shape was deceiving. We weren't experienced at the time. So until we started pulling up the subfloor and realizing, oh, it's like the wood is completely rotten. And like it, we kind of, it was just a bit of a can of worms. So it wasn't just kind of updating the aesthetics of it. It was kind of a lot further into it than we thought. But in doing that, we gained so much knowledge to be able to do even a deeper dive into our next one, which was in horrific, like it was really bad. But what we've learned is like, they're all kind of bad. They all have water damage. And unless you're going to just kind of use it as is in that vintage style, we wanted to do enough updates that we just got one that was really bad. No windows, mold everywhere. It was crazy. So yeah, kind of continued our adventure that way. Those those are the best types of properties. Sometimes you get the best deals. I mean, I love like fire burnt houses. Like we've bought, a, you know, the stuff that nobody wants to touch that you can negotiate uh, a, a lot better. So I, I don't know if you're open to sharing maybe some numbers of like, I, I know you have a couple, but like what's an average price of what, you know, you bought as an example from an Airstream perspective on the purchase and like how much, you know, did it cost you in Renault's to get it up to par? My numbers might be a bit off. I know my husband, Drew, has that down pat, but I mean, they're more expensive than you realize. But our first one, for instance, was around $23,000. The second one, we got a really crazy deal and it was about $8,000. <clears> I found that once we shared our story to other people who were selling their Airstreams, mm-hmm. there's just like this community that they want to see you have it. And even though there were hundreds of people that reached out to this person, Basically, if you were to look at the scrap metal value, it would be $8,000. So he kind of said yes to us. And although it was a hunk of junk, really, we towed it and we were really happy with it. But the we learned a lot. I think we really overdid it with what the extent was with our first one. We put in a full bathroom. My husband's handy, so he was able to custom build everything. So like the bed frame, like we got Ikea stuff and kind of could custom fit it because its shape is round. You can't really get exact square stuff. So you'd have to kind of custom do certain things. But we were able to save a lot of money that way because Mm -hmm. we did not calculate his time or pay anybody for that. We had some help from family as well. But probably overall, our first one, I'm trying to think if it was 23,000, I feel like we probably put 50 into it. And then this one here that we got for eight, we probably put around 30, 30 into it. This one, we didn't, we chose not to put a bathroom in it. So it saved about right. seven, five to 7,000 because we were building it to suit the space we were in that had a bathroom. So yeah, it's all just kind of what the fit and finishes that you want. We chose, like we tried to get we got discontinued laminate because it was such a small space, but then we got nice custom like ash wood. And like we tried mm-hmm. to compare our budget with like high end things and just try to make keep things on budget. But we're relatively open ended because we understand that once you get going, like it just kind of just kind of go. That's kind of an idea. 
Yeah. And I mean, look, I think as as investors, right, we look at it from the cash flow. State. So one cost you 40 grand and it looks like you're in a really cool, like, like, you know, trendy warehouse looking space with the Airstream in here. But it, it is about cash flow. Right. And so on average, I know you've got the two. Like, what are you seeing per night? I, I, you know, granted, summer is going to be different than than the rest of the year. But let's just say as an average nightly occupancy and nightly rate, roughly for somebody to say, hey, maybe I want to do an Airstream one day and you know, build that out? Like, what are you seeing from the rental numbers? So from when we rented it, it was outside. We kind of have two models now. So a normal way to use it, which people can understand the concept of it being outside. It was by a river at a brewery. We were renting it for about 250 bucks a night and it slept four people, but 95% of the time it was two. In this location, we try to get about 400 a night. But there's times where we put it down to $200 a night. We're just trying to feel out, is it the price? We've never really dealt with the luxury property yet. So we're just trying to decide if it's the price point. Is it the market right now? Is it the location? It's like we're trying to not price ourselves out of the market. If we're too high end, we're trying to be really affordable and see if we can compete with a hotel that's Mm -hmm. nearby. But still, the majority of people that rented are two people, but we can fit groups up to six in this space. So we're just trying to get the word out there and have people make sure that people understand the concept from the photos. But that's basically the snapshot of what we're able to get, which is a a range right now. Yeah, it's basically 200 to 400. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by uspropertiesca Are you looking to invest in turnkey U.S. real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website usproperties.ca for more information. And now back to the show. Yeah, and, and you know what it is because I mean, I've been doing Airbnb, you know, cottages and different things since 20, 2017, 2018. And I, I will tell you, this is a tough economy that we're in because with the rates being, you know, at seven, eight uh, percent versus your two percent, your a lot of people, you know, who are either variable or, you know, had to renew their mortgages. Now, all of a sudden they're paying thousands of dollars, you know, thousands of dollars more per month and it just depletes their disposable income. And I'm finding the same thing even with my resort or higher end, you know, and the price points you've got to You've got to look at like, okay, is it, is it the current economy? Is it the market? And is it a combination of just people not knowing about it quite yet? And I think, you know, and all of this stuff takes time. Anybody who started, and I think, you know, in 2020, 2021, the market was amazing. Nobody could go anywhere. Like, no, people were not traveling. And, and so it was, you know, now in, in 2023, people want to get out. They want to go explore different countries. They can fly again. So I think, you know, there's that plus the lack of, of I think, disposable income that we, you know, we all had more of a couple years ago when the rates were still low and you know people were not spending as much because there wasn't as much to, to spend on. So I, I think that's part of it. I mean, it is definitely a tougher year in 2023. And I think it also got saturated over the last couple of years with everybody wanting to do cottages and Airbnb and like all of that stuff. So now we're all competing with, you know, I think a lot more inventory and the demand itself hasn't necessarily gone up to the same extent as the supply. So it's definitely quite interesting, but you know, to go back to to the airstream piece, I still think you have something very unique that's Instagrammable, and I think that's what people want is those those different experiences, right? Same thing with the resort, which we have; it's all themed and it's just very unique as well. And I think that that's 
you know, if you can find a way to differentiate yourself and create something different, you know, when, you know, rates come back down and the, and the economy stabilizes, I think these are going to be the properties that people still want to, you know, book and the occupancy rates are still going to be quite high and all that good stuff. But it's challenging. What are some of the challenges that you faced? I mean, obviously doing these projects and, you know, what are you currently facing that you can maybe give some advice that somebody's maybe just starting out or wanting to, to do something similar might face? Yeah, I think we've kind of been hitting a wall with the economy and the slowdown of things. And it's kind of great. We have found that people book this for special occasions. You've got a proposal, we have birthdays. And so we're just trying to get a grasp on just a bit of a different target market. So we've kind of gone with that. We've started opening up the space for special events as well for private bookings and not just Airbnbs. So we're trying to kind of evolve with what's going on as well. Because this is our first property that we have overhead. Other places, it was our mortgage. We were living there. And then the next partnerships were profit share. So this is the first space that we are renting or leasing this space as a commercial lease. So our number one priority is how do we get our rent coverage? And like, it's been challenging that way because the other was automatic cash flow. And, you know, you're paying down whatever debt you got into for the renovation costs. But you're kind of just automatically cash flowing and back paying and, and it's just going. But this is like, OK, we have like a substantial amount of overhead and it's just more than cash flowing. You're just the risk tolerance that we ex like we just accepted a lot more risk with this property. So it's just trying to gauge what we need to do. Do we need to pivot, like kind of strategize a bit more? And what we aren't used to is marketing. And we've just been brats and thrown something up there and people are like wow but, but like you said it's like it has become saturated and this is like this is a new concept but like airstreams now you, you can find people renting out rvs and that type of thing so we're trying to just be a step ahead and kind of keep our ideas fresh and just not lose steam because it's hard after this process it's been coming up to a year now since we purchased this one and to have the hard work not be over, it's like takes a bit to just stop and regroup and like just kind of get your head in the game again. And it's not over. <laughs> so yeah. you're still growing it. Yeah, it's been different that way. So, yeah. OK. All right. I mean, look, we're all facing very similar challenges, I think, as well with the marketing. And how do you stand out and how do you not just rely on the platforms? Right. How could you create momentum elsewhere? But it, you, you said something interesting I want to go back to. I mean, you say lots of interesting things. So one of the things I do want to ask about is, you know, so this is a commercial space that you're renting. Mm -hmm. um, and then so you've got your Airstream inside and you've created, you know, like it looks like a living room space outside of the Airstream, you know, with a kitchen and all that cool stuff. So the Airstream is essentially for the sleeping portal. And we'll add the link. We'll add the link to the show notes so people can go take a look as well. Mm -hmm. um, so so this is essentially something that you've negotiated with the landlord to be in that space. So you're on a fixed, I'm guessing, X amount of dollars per month. And so you've got to cover the rental you know, market with that. Plus anything else is extra in your pocket, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. So we've had this space since September last year, but we didn't launch our Airstream. And the space wasn't ready because we had to work on renovating it as well. So we launched in March. We wanted to do... January, but there's always delays. So we've been kind of holding that rent since then. And it's just kind of been bleeding money. And, you know, March is slow. So you're like happy if you get 
so like all the weekends booked and you know during the week is hard anyways but it was challenging to find someone who would allow us to do this because mm -hmm. people who have commercial spaces are like do you have an automotive shop that you're operating or like their grasp of what you can explain your vision is going to be is like kind of shocking so a lot of people were really uncomfortable and like weren't into it so We've been thinking of doing this for about a year or two. We had another property lined up that a few days before just got pulled right out from us. So that was a, an actually an hour and a half away from us in Barrie, which in hindsight, it's really kind of good that it didn't happen. A lot of the pieces just it would have been complicated. We would have been far away from it. So when this came up, we kind of had to jump on it. There's always the three other people are interested in it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, jumped on it sooner than we were ready to, but just pulled the trailer in and we're finishing it and the space. But they could grasp the concept. They're locals. They have a business right beside this location. They own the entire building. So it, they're kind of rooting for us. It's very interesting. So yeah, it is a flat rate that we pay, aside from our utilities, obviously, but they've been really great to work with us. So it's been a really important relationship to keep intact. With that, there's some limitations. We're not allowed to have pets. We're not allowed to have um, bookings over six nights. So it kind of kneecaps us for things that we would be interested in kind of doing or saying, yeah, we will have a one week rental even like we can't have pets. So certain things, it's just been like a little bit challenging that way for those things to be out of our control. But at the end of the day, the odds of us finding this place at the time and with the right people to allow us to do it is like crazy. <laughs> and now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resorts. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues. You can rent out a cabin. You can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only. It is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults. And the themes are really nice. They're really upscale. Like you have like the beach theme. You've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage Hollywood. And we are adding more every year. But there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats, your events, your business meetings, planning meetings, all of that good stuff. So check that out, inspirebeachresorts.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you hear a lot of people, you know, renting off, you know, a landlord from a residential standpoint. Um, yeah. You know, when you get into the commercial space, the, the RTA doesn't apply, the landlord tenant board stuff doesn't apply, it's out the window. And, you know, oftentimes you might be able to get away with a short term if you can prove that it was uh, commercial use. But this is true commercial. So you're essentially signing a lease that they say, here is my here are my rules and my regulations. And then I think probably on their end, they've got to make sure that the zoning for what's, you know, they're offering also matches that you're able to do these dwelling units inside. So that, you know, as a, from a commercial standpoint, I think it is interesting. Like, you know, it's definitely unique that you're probably the only person I can think of that's doing something like that with commercial space, but there is a lot of empty commercial space out there. And there's, you know, like, like for us, for example, like we're doing a lot of commercial conversions to residential units. So we're taking these old 
you know, unused commercial spaces and we're actually creating dwelling units and we're, and you know, we're not changing the zoning, but we've got, you know, the ability in there to create dwelling units with whatever that zoning allows. But, you know, it is unique. And I think it's just like you said, explaining the concept to somebody, but it's, I think it just gives you an upper hand because you always want to go against the grain, right? And and do something that, you know, not everyone else is is doing. So are you thinking of expanding? Are you looking at doing more of these down the road? We have the opportunity in this location, even there's actually a room behind us here that we're kind of keeping an eye on if we want to, based on the results for what the space is right now, we could always convert that into a bedroom. So that could sleep another, if we put two beds in there, we could sleep another four people. Another issue being We'll have to kind of negotiate with the landlord right now. They don't want us to have more than eight, I think. So once you get into bigger groups, then you can charge more or you can charge Mm -hmm. over six people this amount per head. So something that we wanted to really trial does the con is the concept viable without without that space, because then looking at doing that space, it's going to cost us another ten thousand dollars investing into furnishing that and finishing that. So this was like an old freezer room. So there's lots of damage and it's weird, but it, it would be a really cool space. And then also coming down the pipeline here in the Quirtha Lakes are bylaws we've mm-hmm. never had before. So again, we're just kind of being cautious. Do we want to like go further into this or just does this work as it is? So yeah, we're just trying to see how it goes, but having options to expand is definitely on our radar. But first and foremost, how do we use the space that we have? So we could even, if we were going to go from, initially it was actually four. We only had people sleeping in the Airstream. The upstairs office we had as as an office. And then we converted that into a bedroom just to have six people in here. And then next, I think we would sleep eight with the existing space, maybe have a pullout couch, someone sleeping out here. And then just kind of trying to feel what the demand is. If there's opportunity for more, then we can kind of build out with this. It's kind of been cool, though, with taking the risk even and the leap with our first Airstream, we were able to say, hey, this is kind of the start of our portfolio. This is the style. This is what we're about. Mm -hmm. I think it really helped people understand that we have like like a good taste and like Mm -hmm. we've executed a vision before. We've had partnerships. So same with this space. I think it's kind of adds to our portfolio as a strong piece of what we can do as spaces and wherever that leads like we're really open to collaborating with other people or kind of yeah we don't have any next steps in terms of another space we're really just focused on getting this up to its full potential basically yeah no that that's awesome and i guess worse comes to worse if you know the landlord decides one day that you know are no longer going to be the tenants because it you know commercial leases are very different than residential leases I mean, you could take your Airstream into another commercial space. Um, Yeah, exactly. Like we can always tow it. We can sell it. We can like our plan is if we ever do need to sell it, we can put a kitchen in it at least. And then it's a fully functional. We can tow it somewhere else and still like have another business at another property or do this concept somewhere else as well. But thankfully, this zoning is residential because it's in a building actually downtown that has apartments above. So we can kind of skirt around that a little bit. But yeah, it's kind of nice, a nice safety net that it's we didn't totally invest in a space that wasn't ours. Because, I mean, we've made some hell of, hell of a leasehold improvements, that's for sure. So they're kind of lucked out with what we've done. I don't know if the next people will give any shits, but 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's it is definitely a cool concept. So so you mentioned partnerships. So do you bring in partners then to bring in the money and that kind of stuff? Or like, how are you doing your partnerships? Right now, we've it's all been self-funded. So we're pretty like it's again, we're interested in partnering with investors and with kind of taking taking our brand further. But right now it's all been self-funded. We've had help with like kind of personal loans from family because we're both self-employed and it's hard. You can't really get loans like for the bank. They wouldn't understand anything like this. So we're trying to fly (laughs) under the radar with their own stuff. I think partnerships with just like different businesses and just more collaborative of like how to use the space, getting events in here or people with properties and just kind of we're we're pretty much opportunists at at the core. So at any in any way that if anyone ever wants to work with us, we're like, yeah, sure. How do we make that work? <laughs> of course, oh, it's a cool. Goal. Yeah. Yeah. So like if somebody has like commercial space and they're like, I want to do something fun and, you know, Airbnb it. And right now I'm in a position or a location where most companies don't want this specific spot. Maybe they would love to be able to rent it instead. And that could be a good like rental nightly you know nightly thing instead so you know that's cool okay awesome so the next part of the podcast is lightning round so i'm going to ask you five questions that every guest gets the same ones you're going to answer the first first thought that comes to mind in like 10 10 20 seconds or less does that sound okay okay? yeah all right welcome to your midterm tip of the week are you a contractor that would like to provide full service to your clients do you often find your clients misplaced when their projects go longer than expected Midterm Rental Properties is here to make you the solution provider to your clients so that they can know they can come to you for a full service solution. We provide furnished rentals across Canada for families like your clients who need a comfortable and fully equipped place to stay while you have the space and time you need to complete the project the right way. For more information, please visit us at www dot midterm rental properties dot com. Here's question number one was your favorite real estate investing book? Oh my gosh. I guess Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay. All right. Probably the number one answer. <laughs> number two, not necessarily real estate specific, but do you if you listen to podcasts, you have a favorite one? What's it called? Deeper Pockets? Something pockets. Oh, bigger pockets? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one. They're like a group of guys from the states that drink beer. I don't know if that's the one. <laughs> Bigger Pockets is is likely. Well, it's on Belt Real Estate. I'm guessing, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brandon Turner used to be the the host. Uh, back I guess, yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. Awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun? Oh, that's a good question. I've just been working so hard. It's like hard to even remember to have fun. But I love going on trips and vacations and going new places and just kind of traveling. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your properties, your airstreams, your assets, your money, how would you start again? Oh, that's a great question. Oh my gosh. I've never thought about that. I think I just, we're kind of hustlers. We kind of dig our heels in and just kind of come up with, just find a way. There's always a way. I don't know. That's super vague, but. Well, your your knowledge and your education remains, right? So, yeah. And and I'll tell you, it's, you know, grit, determination, motivation. That's hard to find. So if you've got that, then make anything happen. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Number five, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started. How would you recommend they spend that 50 grand? 
I think to look at what they have, like a lot of people have either additional space that they're not using or an additional property that they're not utilizing beyond what they use it for. So I think just either reinvesting it in your own property and finding a way to make passive income out of that would be how we started and what we'd recommend. There's kind of always something that you can do with what you have. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thanks for playing. So the last question, this is not necessarily part of the lightning round, but where can people know more about you, find out more, and then also, you know, look at your property that you have right now that listed on Airbnb? Yeah. So it's under, we kind of have a few different names for it, but we have a website and it's junebaby.com, www.junebaby.com. It kind of shows our portfolio of properties that we manage, our own properties, and just kind of what we're about. And you can book a call with us for consultations or anything like that. And then we're on Airbnb, VRBO for rentals. We also do private booking. So Instagram, we're at June Baby Airstream. Our property management is Stay June Baby. So that's on Instagram as well. And then our property is in Lindsay, Ontario, and it's called the Fruit Market or the Warehouse, as if I don't know. <laughs> well, Airstream in a Warehouse, because I think we, we renamed it and we wanted people to know exactly what it was, which clearly I don't, but it's called Airstream in a Warehouse. <laughs> but you know what? You, you get what you, what you you search for, right? So I think yeah. that's So you are in a warehouse. That's the commercial space. That's what that is. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, we'll add all your links that you mentioned below. Congratulations on your success. And I know it's a tough time, you know, this year, but there will be good times. We just got to, you know, if anyone's listening to this and, and they're also in a similar situation where, you know, the, the short term market and the economy is not doing so well, it will turn around. So we all have to hang in there, pivot along the way and come up with some great creative solutions. This is a great creative solution. You're taking a yeah. warehouse space. You're renting the warehouse space and you're creating an Airbnb or short-term rental opportunity out of it and just something so unique. So congratulations on your success, Victoria. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.